going to be key. We've been kind of dormant as far as work um, efforts uh, go from the congregation on this remodel for a long time. But the remodel has not stalled. Uh, we have a verbal from the city building department, and we're kind of waiting for the actual permit to roll through. And when we get that, things are moving. And so, but we also have a lot of things that do not require that permit. Um, we're going to be removing the insulation out of the ceiling. That's really fun because uh, we're going to put more in there. We're putting a new HVAC system in and we're going to be cleaning out the storage container. There will be a dumpster on site and moving things up into that storage container to make room for all the new things going in up in the upper building. Uh, so again, that's March 12th. Lunch will be provided um, and that will be exciting. You will be excited for lunch because you'll be starving. <laughs> That's how that works. Um, this discipleship track is, is uh, important to who we are. Our very existence is to become more like Jesus and to bring others into that same process. So this time together and the content will be foundational to that process of growing um, also foundational to who we are as a church and growing together in discipleship March 6th. It's going to be um, five weeks and Sunday afternoons, March 6th through April 3rd. And I just thought I'd add that to that. She already said most of that, but I thank you, darling, for being thorough. Oh, right. And today is Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, we're going <laughs> to we're going to have a little watch party here at uh, 3.15, 3.30. Kickoff is 3.30, so uh, you're welcome to come here. We'll have the, the game on the screens and through the sound system. I cannot wait to hear some of those hits on the sound system with the subs up. That's going to be awesome. Um, so bring, bring your favorite football snack, game time, food, and we'll just hang out and have a good time together. 3.15, 3.30 today, should you want to do that and don't have other plans we'd love to hang out so i'll say that again at the end because because i will because you'll forget and so will i so we are in the middle of or closing out almost a series called the blueprint the church that god is building we're talking about the blueprint the church that god is building we want to know what god had in mind when he designed the church when jesus commissioned the church when he put it together when he told us to do what we needed to do, what did he have in mind and what's going on? What are we supposed to do? What's it supposed to look like? So we've been going through this series and we talked about uh, how the church is built on that foundation. The foundation, Jesus said, on, on this rock, I will build my church. That foundation is the revelation of who he is. It's who he is, his person, the second person of the Trinity, our, our savior, our redeemer, the one who cleanses us from sin, the one who restored us to the father in relationship. And it's on him that the church is built. And he said he would build it. So he is building the church and we merely cooperate with him. But he designed his church to accomplish a mission. He designed his church to accomplish his mission, the one that he began, the one that he inaugurated. And then when he went back up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the father, his church was to carry on that mission. So we have four words that we're using to describe 
what the church is supposed to do. Does anybody remember the four words? Reach is good. That's the first one. What's the second one? Restore. And then last week we talked about equip. Yep. And today we're talking about send. But we reach. We reach as a church together. We reach up to God in worship and in prayer. And then we reach out to the people around us in our own context. After reaching, we restore. We bring people back to that relationship with the Father that they were designed for. We restore people to that relationship. And then in Jesus' presence, as we're together in this manifest presence of God, they are restored and healed and made whole. They are restored. And then equip. We are, as a church, we are to be equipped to do the ministry. Scripture says that that uh, the pastors, prophets, apostles, uh, evangelists, and, and teachers, they're not, they're not supposed to do the ministry. They're supposed to equip the saints to do the ministry. And whether you like it or not, you are included in that word saints. So you get to do ministry. And at church, we are equipped to do that ministry in our own context for the people that we're in contact with. So this week, we're going to focus on the word send. And the title of the message today is A Church That Sends. There's other language that could be used to describe a sending church. You might call it a missional church or an apostolic church. The language is just semantics. It's the same thing. It's the same as sending. In fact, the definition of the word apostle is a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders and directions. Also, this, was used, this word apostle was used for uh, titles for the first 12 apostles and then several key Christian leaders after that. But in the generic sense, the word apostle, and you've all heard people say that they're an apostle, I think an apostle is much simpler than, than we make it out to be because we've heard big names in scripture called apostles. So if somebody says I'm an apostle, it's just like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Like, I don't see your name anywhere in the Bible. We need to relax. You are not an apostle. But the truth is we are in one sense, all apostles because we've all been sent. We've all been given something. We've been given instructions and a message and we've been sent. So in that sense, we are all apostles. There is the gift of apostle that Jesus gives his church, and that is going somewhere else and starting new ministry, planting a church, getting something going where there wasn't before. But we are called to reach out in our own context. So we, talk about, we talked about reaching, and, and it might be easy to at first confuse reaching and sending, Reaching is where we, as, as individual saints in the church, reach in our own context in our community. We're equipped here, we minister there. We're equipped and encouraged and restored here, we minister there. Sending is starting something new somewhere else, where we send someone away from here to do something there. And this is clearly modeled for us in Scripture. The church is supposed to be a sending church. Some of you have been called or will be called to go somewhere else. And if the church is doing its job right, we will send you and not keep you here. 
In Mark chapter 1, after Jesus stepped into his ministry, he began calling people to follow him. This was the call to discipleship. He called people, he called disciples, and we read of some of those stories where he brought, he, he called them by name as he was walking by and they followed him. He said, follow me, and they did. But then in Mark chapter 3, he says, he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He called them to be with him so that he could send them out. And Jesus did send them out, whether they liked it or not. And in the end, it was good, but I bet you there was some trepidation when he said, go do this. And they were like, what? You're the guy. We're just following you. And he said, no, no, I want you to do what I've been doing. In John 20, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Notice that Jesus is not asking us to do something that he himself has not done. God the Father sent his only son. He sent him away. He was somewhere else to do something else. The direct consequence of biblical discipleship and this process that we are in is that some will be sent. It's an apostolic sending. It's what the church was designed to do. This causes the gospel to spread and the, and the church to grow and the kingdom to expand as it's supposed to until Jesus returns. So with this in mind, we have an example in scripture. Open your Bibles. We're going to Acts chapter 13. And we'll start in verse 1. You have your, your app or your paper Bible. It makes no difference to me. I'm reading a screen right now. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Lord, we, just, we ask that as we read and study and are taught by your word, you would open our hearts. We come humbly to be taught by your word. We don't come with all of our preconceived ideas looking for the things that back that up. We're open to hear from you and to be taught by you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. We know that this church that Jesus began started in Jerusalem, but due to intense persecution in Jerusalem, even though Jesus had said go, they had stayed, pardon me, they had stayed in Jerusalem for the most part uh, until Intense persecution broke out, and the, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders actually killed several of them, and, and uh, they were getting kicked out of the synagogues and, and markets, and it was getting hard, so, so they scattered. They scattered. They went all over, and some of those believers went up to Antioch. Antioch was a big town, and there were lots of Jews there, and so they started 
in the synagogue there, they started preaching the gospel and there became a church in Antioch. The book of Acts reveals um, that there were more than 40 cities where churches had started, where the church had extended. And Antioch had become one of the most significant churches in their day, particularly because of the the massive role they had in sending the gospel into the rest of the world. This is the one example that we see where they were praying and fasting and God said, send these ones. But by no means uh, is that the only time that they sent people. They were known as a missionary church, as ones who sent out apostles. So in chapter 13, we see Paul and Barnabas, Saul at this point, Saul and Barnabas set apart to be sent out as missionaries. A church um, that is sent on mission with Jesus into its community and the surrounding region to bring the gospel to a lost and hurting world. This is the apostolic church. This is what Antioch was. So it gives us a picture of what sending looks like and what a church that sends looks like. So there's some key things that we can see in this passage and about the church of Antioch. The first is that they were together in unity. They were together. And and it lists several different kinds of people, just in the people that were in charge, the pastors or the uh, the prophets and what did it say? Prophets and teachers. It lists several kinds of people from Africa. There's Niger, Simon, who was called Niger, probably because he was from there. Lucius of Cyrene. Menaean was, was from that area. He'd been brought up as royalty. And then there was Saul, who had been brought up as a Pharisee. And Barnabas was a Levite. And so we got a, a variety of people here, just in the leadership of the church, And yet they were in unity. With the diversity of backgrounds and histories and styles and preferences, they were all unified around Jesus and his message and the gospel and the mission. The diversity of passions and the diversity of leadership, uh, some with unique drive and others to come alongside and encourage and, and to help make things happen. But they were all unified by this cause and the mission of Jesus. This church, ascending church, must be in unity of one heart and mind. In Acts, earlier in Acts, it says that they were all together in one accord. They were there for the same purpose, for the same reason, and that's what's going on here. The second thing about Antioch is we see that ascending church must be empowered. Empowered. The Holy Spirit's got to be there. The Holy Spirit's going to be speaking and moving. And so we see that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a variety of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Teaching and prophecy are mentioned, but there's also the, the rest of the fivefold, pastoring, evangelizing, and being sent. Apostle. As an apostle. There was encouragement and administration. It always happens when there's a big group of people. There's administration. There has to be or things get crazy real quick. There is serving. But what are the gifts for? Why does does God give gifts to the church? To equip, to build up the church for ministry, to build up the body for ministry, to build up the individual members and to encourage and equip them so that they are effective believers. The point of the church, again, is not so that we have a nice gathering on a Sunday morning. 
this is fun. This is a bonus. And we get equipped here. But the point of the church, the reason the church exists is to draw more people to Jesus. And that most of the time doesn't happen here. You don't have a whole lot of unbelievers coming into church and, and, you know, just to see what's going on. Sometimes that happens, but mostly people are drawn to Jesus out there and in our communities, in our, in our families, in our world, our workplace, our schools, so on and so forth. That's what the gifts are for. And those gifts are important. Those gifts are crucial for our training, for our, for our encouragement and for building us up. So a church must be, ascending church must be in unity. Ascending church must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Ascending church must fast and pray. We see this in verse two, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, as they were in that moment of praying and seeking God and listening to him and, and looking for the thing that he would have them do. God, what's your heart? God, where do you want us to go? What, what do you want us to do? And in that moment, as they were unified, as the gifts had been flowing, one of those gifts, the gift of prophecy came, or maybe the, the, the word of knowledge or wisdom came to one of the believers. And that's how they heard him say, set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul. Antioch was in that mode of prayer and fasting, seeking God. And that's when that new assignment and direction came to them by the Holy Spirit. As I said before, there's no way that this was the only time that happened. This was just the next thing. This was just the next um, move. And they were looking for God to lead that. They didn't want to come up with their own ideas. And just say, hey, I I think this is a good idea. We should do that. They were listening to the Holy Spirit and he spoke to them. Here at Northwest Church Edgewood, we believe that God has things for us to do. And people will be sent from here. And so we make time to pray and listen to God. Wednesday is is our prayer meeting and you are more than invited I would say you are exhorted to come. Finally, a sending church must send. (laughs) This sounds obvious, but we do tend to turn inward as a group of people, don't we? Any group of people will do this. We forget about facing outwards. We forget about drawing people. and, And then quickly we forget about the very reason that we were instituted in the first place. Acts is the story mostly of Paul and the spread of the gospel. But what about all the others that got sent out? What about the other 40 churches that are mentioned in Acts where the church became became established and part of that city? And then out of Antioch, especially, we see lots of people going out. So Acts is just Luke's account of, of the beginnings and from his perspective. And he actually traveled with Paul So it's Paul's story. (laughs) But there were others. There were plenty of others. If you look up where the apostles ended up dying later in life and and the things that they did and the people they reached, India and North Africa and and up into Europe, and it's, they went, they went. And the churches like Antioch were sending them. They had to hear him and they had to obey him. Now, this is different than reaching out, as I said earlier. 
We talked about that three weeks ago. In reaching, we impact the lives of the people that we're around on a daily basis. And then as a church, we have coordinated activities to to reach out. We talked about a couple of those today, one of them being a a cleanup on Meridian. We're going to get together and and do some litter cleanup on Meridian. Turns out with COVID, a lot of those programs shut down. And so there's kind of an accumulation going on out there. So we want to do some cleanup because we can. And then that'll be, that'll be a uh, showing by good example, good deeds, and then with opportunity to share the good news in the local community. That's reaching. That's reaching. Sending is releasing someone to plant or oversee churches, new ministries, or other places where the gospel is needed. Sending disciples who will make disciples. In 2 Timothy 2.2, that's a lot of twos right there. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul is exhorting Timothy and he says, uh, teach the things that I have taught you to faithful men. Entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? We're not accomplishing the mission if, if what we do is just grow this. And if we just make this cool and, and this is our thing and we attract more people here, if there's not more disciples being made, my job is to equip you to make disciples. And some of you will be sent other places. Why? Why? And you're like, well, I'm comfortable. I don't want to go nowhere. So was I. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's kind of the story here. Like, this is how God works. This is how the church works. I was comfortable. And God said, I have something for you and I'm moving you. And here we are. So this is how we're, we're supposed to work. But my job wasn't just to come here and continue being a disciple myself. My job was to, to come here and make disciples of others who will make disciples of others. This is the mission of the church. This is how it works. Sending is always costly for the sending church and sometimes for the people being sent. Antioch, in this case, was losing Saul and Barnabas. These guys were pillars in the community, a key part of their leadership. They were integral parts of the church and its operations. And as a church, they had to be willing to hear the Holy Spirit and give what he said. They had to be willing to give up part of themselves, even the best part of themselves. Who knows what kind of relationships were going on and how close they had drawn as a community. And then somebody is sent out. That can be painful. That can be really hard. Uh, A friend of mine, he's a pastor in a nearby church. His name is Dan. Dan Bursch. Their, Their church is... Um, sending out on a regular basis his associate pastor, whoever that happens to be at the time, to start a new church in a small town somewhere, I don't know, usually within 50, 60 miles, but they just sent one to Spokane. Near, uh, and so it, it feels like, and I was talking to Dan recently, and it feels like every time he gets to a, a really sweet spot, like things are clicking, things are humming. They, they got the administration stuff figured out and, and all the programs, you know, are running well. And then his leaders leave. 
But they have set themselves up to do this and do it on purpose because it's not about their church and their gathering growing bigger and becoming more influential. It's about the gospel spreading. It's about more churches. It's about people finding the gospel in other places. And so they plant a church. And that's what they've been doing. But it's always costly. It always hurts. Man, I remember being year, years ago. Uh, I'm not going to give you a date. Um, uh, there was a season at Northwest Church Federal Way where um, I think within two years, three congregations were planted out of, out of the church in this time. And, and one of them in particular took a lot of people with it. <laughs> and it was, it was good. It was intentional. It was on purpose. But man, the rest of the church felt that. Just like, okay, so either this just sucks and we've just lost a bunch of people or we're intentional about this and we're doing something on purpose. We're planting, we're sending, and the gospel is growing where those people went. We should always expect to be sent. Maybe not to the ends of the earth, like Bill, but certainly to our neighbors, family, and our friends. We are certainly sent in that apostolic calling. As I said, Northwest Church has been sending churches for decades. Just in my era, the time that I was there, which was a long time, um, Northwest Church planted, sent out Chad Skilperoy, who started LifeSpring, which is where Dan is now. Billy Sarno was sent out. He started Tacoma Foursquare. Caesar and Anna Crisosimo were sent back and commissioned to start a church in, in Guam, Island Hope, Guam. Dave Norcross started One Hope Foursquare in North Federal Way. And just in this last couple years, uh, Pastor Steve McConnell was sent out to, to head up Living Way in Seattle. Pastor Darvey was sent to Shoreline White Center to, to uh, revitalize a congregation there. That's going to be fun to watch. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch in Shoreline. And then, of course, Northwest Church Edgewood. I say that not to, not to you know, list the credentials and the accomplishments of Northwest Church. And there were things that happened before I was there. But this is the way the church is designed to work. We never want to just reach mega church status in the sense that, that we've got the coolest stuff and the biggest building and, the, and, and all that. Our, our goal, because that's distraction. That's the wrong mission. And, and we can go down, you know, I, I've heard the philosophy, you know, we want to we be influential, right? And, and I, certain, certain mega churches come to mind where, where the thought is the more successful we are, the bigger and the more powerful we are, the more influential we are in the city and the surrounding areas. Okay, all right, all right, all right. But that's not what Jesus modeled. And it's not what the early church modeled. And so it, and those things can become trappings and distractions very, very quickly. It has to be about the gospel. It has to be about bringing people, the simple gospel, bringing people back to relationship with the Father. 
That's what Jesus was about, to seek and to save the lost, to make disciples. What was the Great Commission? Go build monstrous churches, really successful programs. No, the commission was go and make disciples, go and draw people, go and, go and heal the sick, go and cast out demons, go, go do the work, restore people to that relationship. That's what the church is for. So we talk about reach, we talk about restore, we talk about equip, and we talk about sending. Maybe the hardest one of them all. But it's who the church is. Now, some of you are getting nervous right now. Because as ascending church, we, the people that constitute that church, that local church, always have to be in a place that says, here I am, send me. Because our hearts are completely surrendered to the, the call. Our hearts are completely bought into the mission that Jesus gave us. In the 1700s, the Moravian church in Bohemia began sending missionaries all over the world by the hundreds. They were moved by the prospect of large populations that had no knowledge of Jesus. They didn't know. They didn't know that the creator of the universe had sent and given his only son so that they could be in relationship with him. They didn't know, and, and this disturbed them, and they mobilized. And over this, this period of uh, more than 100 years, they sent missionaries all over. Now, remember, missionaries is the same as apostles, is the same as sent ones, messengers. They, they went with the gospel. In 1732, there were two young German men in their 20s who heard about, they were in the Moravian church. They had heard about a remote island in the West Indies, which was owned by a British man who was an atheist. There were on this island 3,000 slaves to run the plantations. And they had never heard the gospel. And under the current circumstances, they were not going to hear the gospel because their owner was an atheist. They'd never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so these two young men heard about that and received the call of God to go to this island. However, the only way they could go there and evangelize and share the gospel with the slaves was if they themselves were willing to become slaves. So these boys sold themselves into slavery to fulfill the call of God. Their community heard about this and went to see them off because they figured they'd never see him again. Their family was hysterical. And their neighbors questioned and challenged them. But they were part of a sending community. They were part of a church that valued the, the mission of Jesus more than anything else. And so they went and they were sent by their church. And as the boat, as the ship was sailing away from the shore, the family could hear the two boys singing. And I don't know the tune, so I'm just going to say it. May the Lamb of God receive the full reward for his suffering. 
They went planted. Uh, they went there. They evangelized. They planted a church there. I don't know if the Brit got saved, but everybody else did. And and rather than dying there, which most expected them to do, um, they went on in the Moravian Church to become uh, bishops and and send out many many more missionaries. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is building his church. We're not we're not building. We're taking orders. We are, as First Peter says, living stones. As we surrender ourselves to him, he arranges us just so, and he builds the church to accomplish its mission. But Jesus is building it. He's building it to accomplish the mission that he began, to save the lost, to make disciples. Who will save the lost and make disciples and so on? People restored to right relationship with the Father is the reward that he seeks. The reward, the outcome of the suffering of the lamb was people in right relationship with the father. So we accomplish this mission as a church by reaching up to God in worship and prayer. We accomplish this by reaching out to the people who live in our communities and in our lives. We accomplish this by restoring people to relationship with the father and allowing the Holy Spirit to heal the brokenness that's, that's in, all, in all of us as we are gathered in his presence. We accomplish this by equipping the saints for ministry in their own lives, in their own context. That happens here. That's what the church is for. And finally, we accomplish this mission of Jesus by sending. Sending disciples as missionaries, as apostles, to bring the gospel into new spaces. This is how Jesus is building his church. Let's pray together. Lord, just right off, we we reaffirm our commitment to your mission. And in any areas where we've been distracted or got caught up with other things, Lord, we repent because it's really all about your mission. People need to know you. We're so grateful that you have a plan, that you know exactly what you want to do and you know exactly how you want to do it. We're so thankful that you have a blueprint and a map, so to speak. Jesus, sometimes our churches don't look like your plan. We've gotten off track at times and missed the mark. We tend to turn inward into self-preservation. But Jesus, we want to fulfill the mission for which the church was created and instituted in the first place. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see disciples made. We want to see more people know you. We want to receive, we want you to receive the full reward of your suffering because you truly are worthy of it all. You are worthy. So we pledge ourselves again to your cause to accomplish that mission. Lord, may you continue to mold and shape this community and the plans and purposes you have for us 
Lord, we are ready to move in the things you have for us. We're ready to hear and obey, even if it's costly. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you true peace and everything you need to go about your assignment. Amen. Amen. Amen.